Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hello, this is Benjamin Boyce, and welcome to my version of the internet. Today's guest on my talk show is Belinda, who I forgot to ask if I should say her last name, so I'm just going to omit her last name. But Belinda showed up at a march or a speaking gig or just a collection of women that were speaking at Speaker's Corner in a London park somewhere in London. And these women were speaking during International Women's Day about women's rights. And Belinda wanted to address them about her concerns about feminism. And she did so. She stood up and she said that that feminism could do better with reaching out and building uh, connections with men, because there's this huge resource of men over here that might be under the impression that feminists don't like them for some strange reason. I, I hadn't planned to talk, but I asked if I could. And you very kindly allowed me to talk. And what I want to say is that I think we have a huge ally in this fight and that we're really missing and not seeing that ally. And that ally is men. You know, it's a tiny minority of men who are doing this to us. And the vast majority of men are actually on our side. They don't like seeing men dressing up as women. They don't like seeing them going into our toilets. They feel as ashamed by it as we feel horrified. And this is a time when we all need to forget our differences and come together with men and stop slagging them off. So that's the main thing that I want to say is that it's an ally Men are an ally and a resource. They need to speak up, Belinda, as well. They need to not be quite so shy as they've I been up to now. They need but, to but, but, if you think about everything that I've been hearing, and it's why I came to speak, I have heard non-stop slagging off of men. Not just men who want to dress up as women. I've heard non-stop, all the time I've been standing listening, We've been slagging off men, and it's time to stop doing this, because if we want them to join with us, we need to stop slagging them off and realise that they are our allies, and take some responsibility ourselves for what has happened, because I can tell you that when I studied social anthropology, I was taught that there were no differences between men and women. I was taught this in the 1980s. And it was feminism that taught me that there were no differences between men and women, that it had all been created by culture. That is what I was taught by feminism. So we need to take responsibility for what we have done in creating this narrative, and we need to join together 
with men and fight this horror that is happening. Thank you, Melinda. Thank you, Melinda. I felt a lot of love in her heart and a lot of pep in her spirit, uh, and I wanted to give her a little bit more time to flesh out her ideas, and that's what we do in this interview. We talk about her stance on feminism, her stance on the relationship between men and women, and her stance, eventually we talk a little bit about her stance on transgenderism and transsexualism. In this series that I work on, on these interviews, there's, there's a lot of affordance for people to kind of fish around it and wrestle with thoughts, and that's kind of actually what I want to capture. I don't want to capture the polished, uh, you know, treatise. I want to capture the person struggling and wrestling with, with how to say things and what they really think about things. And this is another opportunity to do that. And I was very honored to have Belinda on. And I really think it was a real, it's a real treat to have her here. So without further ado, here's Belinda. I would like to know, um, kind of like your psychology a little bit and not to like, I don't want to poke around in your brain, but I just want to understand what makes uh, you a social conservative, like from your background and from, from the experiences of your life, why, what makes that make sense to you? I think it's because um, I'm very much from a background which, which isn't very socially conservative. You know, I've, I've been married a couple of times. I've, I've had is this is this is is this live or this is this is outside I don't know is, is Oh okay anyway. I will just cut in. Oh well I'll, yeah I'll just anyway so um yeah Do you I, mind? I Do you mind that No 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 I don't know. Okay. I'll just I'll just okay. carry on talking. Um so you know I I had my had my children sort of out you know I I I, I had a very unconservative um route myself shall we say you know and my own parents weren't together. And so I think that I was quite drawn to, you know, people with traditional families. That was always something that I, I guess I hankered after because they had something which, which I didn't have and didn't really know. So, um, what was that? Was that like stability? Yeah, I guess. Yeah, I guess. I guess so. I guess so. It's funny because. I don't really exactly understand myself. I mean, I've always been quite, um, pretty much always been quite, uh, I I don't like feminism. I'm really quite, I'm really, I'm quite strongly anti-feminist. I think feminism is a terrible thing. And I don't really know where that comes from. I I have no... um, I, I I often think about it. It's not as if I got on well with my dad or don't know what sexism looks like or anything like that. But I think there's a, some real problems with feminism. So I guess that when I started writing for the conservative woman, well, when I started writing for them, it was actually to do with men because I could see what was happening to men and I could see how it was related to feminism. And so... I guess that's, I mean, I I probably didn't think of myself as socially conservative until, until I realized that Kathy and Laura really liked my work. And I was writing for a website called The Conservative Woman. And I, I kind of, (laughs) you know, then, then I started labeling myself socially conservative. I mean, until then, I probably would never have, um, called myself socially conservative uh you know i'm half danish i'm not you know yeah so so your inroads with the uh thinking of yourself as conservative was having to do with um uh 
rethinking the role of men in society or rethinking the narrative that, that had been put out there about men yeah. and trying to build them up in some way? Or what, well, what were you trying to say about men? Or Perhaps, if you know what I'm going to go back to? I'm going to go back to, in a way, where it started, which is um, after I left university, I went to live in Poland. So this was 1991. And I studied the uh, underground movement, the, the solidarity movement hmm. um, in Poland, you know, because actually it was in uh, it was in Poland that the, the first real challenge to communism started. There was um, 1980, the Solidarność. And so I was living in Poland and um, I had my, my, my son there. And and I started researching this movement. And what I learned was that what had enabled them to challenge the communist system was the fact that they had um, really strong families and really strong social networks. They had this. I I, I, I wrote my, my thesis was called um, the public importance of the private sphere. And. Um, and, and and through these kind of private networks, you know, they were able to access food and all kinds of things. And and also people were really suspicious. They knew that the communist regime was a hostile regime. And and what I learned from that was that actually, if you want to challenge the authority of the society, you need to have strong families and you need to have strong private level networks. And actually... I think that that was the first time it was it was doing that thesis in Poland that I realized how important the family was if you wanted to have any kind of political independence that's what you needed to have so when I look at our society we're incredibly weak because as a result of the welfare state and so on we're we're really dependent on the state and I think that people have bought into the state hugely to, to a degree that they, they don't know. So I think, I think we're much less able to challenge any, you know, if, if any authoritarian regime comes along, we're much less able to ta- challenge it than the Poles were to challenge communism. So I guess that um, that was where, where that started. And the, the men thing, I'm, I'm trying to think Can about... Yeah. Could I ask you a question about the family and just shift the conversation to mm-hmm. what you were bringing up about um, how do you build a stable family and how does that interact with, I guess, gender roles or the uh, the reciprocal relationship of the sexes that would form a stable household in your research and then in your opinion? How do mm. those things fit together? Mm. Um, I think, how do you build a stable family? I mean... I think it's you know mar- mar- marriage marriages you know having actually taking marriage seriously and um you know thinking that marriage is different from cohabitation and is something that you should do and you should stick to is 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 very important um I mean in in Poland um I mean so that's just kind of where my my model is I mean I think that um I mean, I do believe that men and women are different and men and women are, are, are complementary, but that doesn't mean that, you know, in, in Poland, you, I mean, I'm not saying that women shouldn't work. In fact, the very, very high levels of employment. Um, but I think that I think that there are differences. I, I don't I don't 
believe that the sexes are symmetrical. I think that things start crumbling when there is an expectation that women should be working just as much as men. I don't think that anyone that I don't think that really makes anyone happy. I've actually just written an article on it in in the Conservative Woman. Um, and in fact, the evidence shows that marriages are much more fragile where where the man earns less than the woman. Um, so despite all these years of feminism, um, there's still kind of there's still an expectation that sort of to some degree that men should bring home the bacon. And I don't think we could I don't think we should assume that we can just reverse gender roles. Um, I, I think. I think that there are, there are sort of. I think there are some differences that that we need to honour in in some mm. way, and and, mm. uh, and 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 I think, yeah, and and actually I think it's quite important. I mean, I'm really, I'm really for men being doing childcare. You know, I'm really, that's extremely important. But I'm just, I think the sexes are different, and we need to recognise mm. that. I suppose. So when you're considering gender roles then it seems like there's uh certain sorts of expectations that feminists broadly speaking i think there's a lot of feminists with a lot of different viewpoints but there's certain stereotypes about the gender roles that are trying uh, that have been uh, worked against in order at least nominally to grant women the freedom to make their own choices in life and not be pressured into certain roles that they don't necessarily uh, want to do. And, and that's foundationally built on, you know, individual Liberty. Uh, It seems like you're, you're arguing that the, that the expectations that have come about in the, uh, in the uh, disintegration of those old stereotypes, the, the, these new stereotypes, these new expectations have outcomes too that are just as negative, if not even more negative. Um, I think, see, I think that there are some really big social changes happened, which, you know, I mean, say, for example, the the pill was really important. I also think just changes in the workplace were really important. And, and I, 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 I'm, there, there were, um, I mean, it, it's tricky because women have always worked and women, and I was, you know, I'm, I've got no, I've got no, I've got no problem with that. I don't think, I think there's a lot of, um, you know, I think I think women. There were changes that needed to happen, and and they and they have happened. Um, but there are, yes, I think there are. Just as yes, you're right. I think there are really potentially negative things. I think that we have the situation now where there's nobody in the home, so children are kind of growing up without a concept of home and family because both parents are out at work for very long hours, and I think that is having um, really serious repercussions for children. You know, I. If I if I think about if I think about the home, it's not it's not just about childcare. It's a whole um, it's a whole mm. realm. You know, there's a lot of po- political activity which should be happening, which just isn't happening because everyone's at work. You know, um, involvement in schools, involvement in um, your 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 local government, in your neighbourhood watch or your local authority, just watching what's going on. There's a whole sort of realm of existence which I think has been really um, eroded because there's nobody left 
in the home to do those things. And I think you need to rebuild that. But you you can't rebuild it while there's a constant ongoing push to get all women into the workplace. And, and that's what we're still living under. There is a constant, and it's seen as a problem. If there are fewer women in the workplace than men, that's seen as a problem. But women don't have the same attitude to work as men do. We don't feel it, it, it's, we have a different approach to work. We want to work. We don't want to work as long hours. That's why there's a gender pay gap because we choose, we have different priorities. Mm. So in, in a way, the to try to fix the gender pay gap would be to force women to do what they don't want to do. Maybe yeah. that might be the case. Def yeah, def definitely. I mean, yeah, def definitely. I mean, the, yeah, I, I find the whole concept is a bit odd, really, because is the pay gap the thing where the kind of yardstick by which we should be measuring things? I mean, maybe we could measure things by the amount of free time people have or you know that it, yeah. why measure things in terms of 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 pay you know why well it's it's a very so, capitalist way of looking at <laughs> value human value yeah yeah but i mean you could i don't know you know who who's who's happier or who's doing the jobs they enjoy more who's got more free time who can spend more time with their children who yeah. has you know who, who I think you might find that certainly in the past, the women who worked, you know, before feminism really got a grip, the women who worked, either they were working very, you know, they were working class women who were just had to work regardless or where they weren't, they would be the better off, more educated women who were doing jobs that they really wanted to do and chose to do. But now everybody's just working. And I don't know how many of those people are happy at their work and doing jobs that they you know, really want to do. You know, they're just working because they have to. We've got to a situation where there's no choice about it. Choice is gone. Feminism has taken choice away. You know, the myth that feminism's brought choice to women is just, it's, it's, I think it's quite mythical, you know. Now you... you um, how do you mean? How, well, do you, how do you think choice has been eroded well, by... Well, because, because in the past... Um, if you were, say, you know, more kind of middle class, or, or if you were, if you were, if you were better off, you'd have the choice to stay at home and look after your kids. Um, I mean, I'll give you an example. I've got I've got two children, and they're thirteen years apart in age. And and when my son, the older one, was young, it was totally cool to stay at home with him till he was three or four. But by the time my daughter came on the scene, women were expected to be at work by the time the child was a year old. It's not a choice of do you want to stay at home or go into the workplace. It's like you need to go into the workplace because once you've got a system where where each family is dependent on two incomes, then in a, in a sense, inflation goes up for everybody. House prices go up for everybody. So everybody needs to be a two income family in order to survive you know mm -hmm. so ev everything so there's the work is no well, longer a choice is that is does that have to do with feminism or economic realities of of uh, uh, an expectation of a certain standard of living that are that's inspiring people to to work to to achieve that well i think it's i think that that what happened is you know first of all you have you have a, a gradually increasing number of families where where both people go to work and um 
and I, I would say that that kind of raises the expectation for everybody. I mean, once once mortgages, I mean, you you know, it's great to have both names on a mortgage and everything like that. But 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 when you've got two incomes paying for a mortgage, the family that's only got one income is going to be slightly wrong footed. Do you see what I mean? Because there's just a general overall inflation. Two incomes is, is just it pushes things up for everybody. It sort of floats it for everybody. So these are what you might call unintended consequences. And, you know, there might be factors other than feminism which contribute to it. And I'm not mm. saying that, you know, I, I, I you know, I, I, of course we should, women, well, women always have worked. I've got no problem with women working. I'm just, there's just a pressure that, that we should all be at work and all earning two incomes and, you know, I'm, I'm, yeah. So in your cohort with the conservative women, the conservative mm. woman, I guess. Yeah, which, like, which isn't politically conservative. It's not politically conservative. Okay. So, it's uh, yeah. socially conservative. It yeah. just makes arguments that would be con uh, considered, yeah, considered so, socially yeah. Yeah. So, so that, is that a group of? I, I suppose that that connects you with a group of like-minded individuals, like-minded women. Uh, do you think that those kind of uh, that group out there, the conservative-thinking women, have benefited from certain um, certain aspects of feminism about you know speaking your mind, about uh, being out there, uh, kind of? We don't need feminism to speak our mind. <laughs> okay. Okay. No, not 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 at all. Okay. No, not not in the. I don't think feminism has has benefited us at all I'm, I'm also for example i mean there's a group called mothers at home matter you know for those those women and i'm, I'm i've been involved with mothers at home matter a little bit and you know for, for women who who want to stay at home and look after their children um it's really difficult to do that you know we you know we've got a tax system that will penalize severely penalizes the single income family in this country it's much worse um it, I've, I've written I've written quite a lot about it. I'm not very good at explaining things, but but we do have a tax system that. Um, so it, let but let me explain it like this: If you are um, a, a two-income family and the total income is eighty thousand pounds, you're going to pay loads less tax than a single-income family where the total income is 80,000 pounds. So, you know, um, in fact, you'll be really, I've got all the statistics, you'll be really severely penalised. We have a system which severely penalises the family where one parent chooses not to work. Okay. Um, so, you know, and and I'm not really linked to, I mean, I, I, I write for this website. I don't, you know, I'm, I'm, I, I don't hang out with, with conservative women, you know, at all. Um, okay. Not at well, all. I'm just wondering. Yeah, I'm wondering if, if, if a part of your distrust of feminism comes from uh, just a natural distrust of, of movements in and of themselves. Uh, that's something that I've seen in myself well, and other. Yeah, yeah. I, I do think I have become increasingly aware that, um, you know, that that uh, Roger Scruton saying. Um, it's a really good one, somewhere on my shelf, where he says, you know, it takes hundreds of years to build something up and you can smash it down really quickly. So, yes, I do have um, 
I do have an, a sort of inherent suspicion of any kind of social movement. And likewise, I'd be, I would be very suspicious of any movement which tried to take things back to... I wouldn't like to see some forced tradition either, because I think, okay. you know, I think you're right. I think any, any, for me, any kind of movement tends quite often to be about a minority steering things from majority and, and I, I am yeah you're quite right I have an inherent suspicion of social movements but that I've only recently realized that I do have that well with with that in mind what set the Poland or the Polish solidarity movement um apart from that uh, I, I'm assuming that you you were for mm. the solidarity mm. movement oh what very was much something so. different about that what how was it organized oh, what was it yeah that's, I mean that that's really interesting because actually that was it was such a mass movement. I mean, within one week, there were 10 million people in, on, on a sit-down strike throughout the whole country within a week. So it really was, um, this, this was not something by a small number. This was the whole country saying, no, we're annoyed with this. We don't like communism. And, um, and, and, and you know, so, so that, I, you know... It, it's true. I was, I'm very much in favour of what happened there. And there was a big build up to that. And I would say that the thing that marked that out is it was genuinely very democratic in its origins. It was a genuine mass movement, not steered by the media. It was people individually coming together and saying we've had enough. So mm. I guess that would be, um, you know, and, and, and they were they were challenging a... Um, authoritarian imposed regime that was not part of their history or their country. It was just a, a, an alien power. So, so you know, I think you've got to challenge any kind of oppression. Um, so I'm contradicting myself there, but for sure, if, oh. if somebody's, uh, you know, if, if there's if there's something, if there's some alien power or force oppressing you, you, you do have to fight it, and. Well, that, that is a good point. Let's let, let's look into that a little bit. So, insofar as feminism is fighting for the the freedom from oppression, uh, specifically for women, do you don't have a problem with it? I I do because mm -hmm. I don't believe who 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 are these who are these oppressors of women? Um, well, who are women being people, oppressed rapists, by? let's just say rapists, um, misogyny, uh, you know, expectations, societal expectations that, that think of women as sex objects, that think of women as inferior. This is what this is what the feminists that I've had on. You know, you know, what's really interesting? It's so, you know, I'm 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 in my 50s and uh, everything has got so much worse since I was a kid, you know the sexism and the objectification and all this stuff. I mean, I hear about behaviors that just didn't exist when I was young. And this has happened under feminism. And I think for me, the problem of feminism, you know, I would have been absolutely fine with a movement to say, you know, hey, there are only a tiny number of women at universities. Why is this? Let's sort this out. You know, anything where there's you see some gross inequality, you've got to sort it out. We haven't got the vote. Let's sort it out. I'm absolutely up for that. But what feminists did was they said, uh, 
well, you know, why has this happened to us? Oh, it's because men have been oppressing us. And for me, that is the really big lie which creates the whole problem. Because mm. if you if you want to understand why women are in the position that they were in, you need to understand about our biology and how it affected our lives. And I think that, you know, you had in the 1960s, the pill was invented and women had control over their fertility. And I think that they, they completely lost sight of how a world felt where you could just get pregnant, you know, you could just get pregnant and there's, you know, you've got your baby and you're really dependent. And that's no man oppressing you. That's just the way, that's your biology, you know, and that's, and that's just how it works. And I think that if you appreciate the effect of um, how we are built, you know, our biology, our nature, we give birth, we get really attached to our children. You have to dehumanize yourself to go out to work when your child is a small baby. I did research on this. It's, it's mm -hmm. really tough. And most women, they really, it's their whole priority changes when they, when they've had a baby. Um, mm. But I think, I think that, you know, what women, what the feminists said was, they traced the source of oppression to men. But actually, actually, if you look at it, we had a system, a re, what you call patriarchy. We had a, a system in place which um, ensured that men supported us overall when we in, in a sort of quite vulnerable situation you know when you give birth when you've got your small baby you need you need support so we had this what you might call patriarch you know men were encouraged to stay with their families i mean a man walking off and leaving his wife that would have been a great source of shame before feminism but now men can just walk away from their families and not think twice about it they really can but so we created marriages where the pressure was on men to stay with their families the pressure was on men to support their families and if you look um if you actually study back in history feminists have this big thing about women are always the ones who've done the hard work i mean this is absolute nonsense I, i've got a book up there it's, it's really good it's called uh sorry <laughs> like the privileged sex but if you look at it actually men are the ones who've been the beasts of burden throughout history we were not so crazy to join the workplace until the working conditions enormously mm. improved you know that was when so if the way i see patriarchy i see patriarchy as a system which was created to ensure that men, you know, l looked after women. And, and what feminists have been doing is, um, you know, we've been as, as we've been destroying all of those social structures, the people who can wander off are the men. Men don't, men can, you know, men can, men are much freer to go. Everything is, 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 mm. is uh, sort of freed up and and you know the people who suffer now are quite often um you know women of my age who may have hung around with their husband all their life and then he goes off and leaves them for a younger person and and they're a little bit you know that they're, they're a bit stuck and previously it would be a lot more difficult for that to happen and the other thing i'd like to say is you know i'm not saying that oppression didn't happen and i think I think that, I mean, there are two things, you know, um, it depends, you know, you, there are different parts of society. Um, 
And I, I also think men and women have got two very different kinds of power. I don't think one has more power than the other, but but um, they're very different kinds of power. And of course, there will have been situations, you know, there's the expression, power corrupts, absolute power corrupts, absolutely. Of course, there will have been situations where where women were left really in a, in, a, in a desperate situation. But I think that what we've got now, power corrupts, absolute power corrupts, absolutely. To be perfectly honest, I think we've got many more absolutely hideous situations where um, mothers are just forcing fathers out of families, you know, or, 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 you know, male domestic abuse or the numbers of homeless men. Um, so, you know, women have got the power now, although they feminists will never admit it. But but we have we've got, you know, and, and the other thing to remember is if you think about what's which arena of life is most important, you know, if we're all honest with ourselves, what really counts is what goes on in our private lives. It's our whole domestic arena. It's not out there in the bloody workplace. What is a value? What moves you? Is the, is the private realm, you know, it's your friends, it's your family. And this is the arena where women have always had power. And, and there's a real denial about that. I mean, the power that women have because they are, they, their procreative power, you know, that they give birth, that's always been a tremendous resource. And women are exploiting and abusing this really badly in this country you know we've got these closed family courts and and we've got you know the, there are so many men you know the, the rates of male suicide we have you know men are, are committing suicide i'm sad you know on a fairly regular basis because they've just been completely excluded from their child's life and you don't have to be the the system we have how it is here is that um if you if if you've been uh if you, if if you say that you've experienced domestic abuse you can get legal aid and ever since they introduced this law where if you say you've got been you know suffered domestic abuse you you can get legal aid the number of women who can claim domestic abuse has just really gone up um and because it's a way to get legal aid to then divorce their husbands and you know get funding and all the rest of it and you, you know, and we, we've we've got we had in 1989 we had the father. It's actually written in law that the father is no longer the legal guardian of his child. You know, this is um, what's her name? Sorry, but this is this is written in our law. The father is no longer from 1989. The father is no longer the legal guardian of his child. I mean, the, this before is then was it shared or was it exclusively the man? Uh, well, uh, that's a very good question. I think it was shared. I have, I have, I have read about this. I'm, I'm. It's, it's a really complicated. There's, it's. If you look back in the about the 19th century, I think there were. You know, I'm really. I have looked into this. Um. But I would need to look at it a bit more i've looked into it and come to the conclusion that women actually had it all right i mean i know that early on it was the the man who had i know i know i know i know i know when i'll tell you what i think that what i found was that when men had um exclusive rights to their children they hardly ever excluded the mother from 
the child. So this kind of situation didn't happen. But once women got the power, Hmm. you got many more women excluding men than you'd ever had men excluding women. How it was in the 20th century is more complicated and I'd have to look into it. But um, I don't think, I, I mean, I don't think that there was a situation where you had men regularly excluding women mothers from their children that didn't happen so whatever situation we had we didn't have that and now we have a situation where women are regularly excluding men Hmm. so since the 60s since the the invention and the implementation of the pill there's been a sea change in the dynamics between males and females Mm. and it seems like we haven't really thought through the entire implications. Perhaps we're living through those implications, but we haven't mm-hmm. really thought through those. So I wonder if in part part of your project, um, whether you think of it as a singular project or not, is to refine um, the role of men um, and the relationship between males and females in the society, post-pill, post, post-feminism, and rethinking that. And, and I wonder if you're trying to move towards a place where um, both sides, both men and women, can get a clearer picture of the state that we're, we found ourselves in at this point. I think that would be I think that would be a really great thing to do, but um, in order to do it, we really need to get out of our heads that men have been oppressing us, and and that was why I stood up at that speaker's corner thing because I don't know if you listened to all the talks, but it was one talk after another, and actually. When at, right at the very beginning, I, I don't know if it was recorded, but the woman who was the kind of, um, you know, who, who sort of set, set it up, she said at the beginning, one thing we all have in common is that, um, you know, men hold all the power. She made a statement right at the beginning. So and this is we've mm. got to realize we've got to realize men are not our oppressors and they're not our enemies. And, you know, let's work towards a new society, not new society, but a renegotiate uh, yeah. relationships between the sexes. Let's do that. We've got there have been enormous changes. Let's renegotiate those relationships. But we can't do it while we're seeing men as our oppressors. That's just like this lie that Hmm. is getting in the way of a sort of genuine, healthy renegotiation. Um, I think we need to understand that men and women are different and and talk to each other. And I'll give I'll give you an example. Um, You know, it was one of those talks and, and, uh, you know, this great woman you know stood up and spoke and and she'd been a bus driver and she recounted about how as a bus driver how awful it had been to get her period and have to you know change her um, sanitary products and they they had no toilets they had no brakes for bus drivers and how awful it had all been and and I'm absolutely sure I have no doubts that it had been awful but what I suspect is that once you tell men look this is a really serious problem for me. This is, you know, we have this issue. Can you change something? Can you do something so that I too can go into work and have my period and still 
actually the change will happen. You know, it's not that men were, oh, we don't care about you, we're not going to pay any attention. It's just they hadn't thought things through. They didn't know. They just didn't have it all. You've got to tell them. It's like it's like a relationship between, you know, a husband and wife or, or whatever. Quite often, it's not that one is trying to oppress the other. It's there's been a lack of communication or all kinds of assumptions going on. And one person just really didn't know or really didn't understand something. And I think that's the same with men and women. Men aren't trying to oppress us. And I do think, you know, sometimes I do think it seems like things have got worse. But then I just, you know, as someone who has seen you know, we've had decades now of saying that men are abusers and harassers and all this stuff. And quite honestly, I feel like men don't love and respect women. I mean, it's quite possible, should I say, that men don't love and respect women in the way they might have done 40 years ago, where I think there was a more, you know, I think we've actually sort of damaged the relationship between the sexes. Um, so by alienating men by alienating by making men, men feel making men feel like they're the bad guys exactly exactly they're, they're born wrong that's right it's it's interesting Do you know i didn't know how different men were until i had my son you know i think hmm. that's something i think men men know that women are a different species i don't know that's the impression i get men know that women are different <laughs> for them but women have this tendency to think that men are just like them they're sort of like defective women and if a man doesn't do something in the way that you do it we kind of think well there's something wrong with him because this is how I would have done it and he's not done it like that. So he's at fault. Instead, we need to really understand this is a man. He's different. He thinks differently. He sees the world differently. And when he does things in that way, it's not because he's defective. He's just got a whole different way of understanding things. And maybe we should try and understand that. And so it was really quite a revelation for me having having a boy and seeing this is somehow this being is a bit different from me, you know, mm. in some kind of fundamental way. Um, so and I think that's a really valuable thing that we should be teaching, teaching our daughters. You know, we should be teaching them that, you know, men, men are different um, in, 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 in all these ways. I, actually, somebody, I was just talking to, uh, somebody phoned me up the other day and she was talking about, you know, like men being visual and just being aware that, uh, for example, uh, I'm probably treading on risky territory, but, you know, if, when, you're, when you're really risque. young, if you risque, you know, if you do, if you've, if you've got the benefits of a wonderful cleavage and great legs and, and you flaunt it, it is going to get men, you know, I think women think, well, I could see, you know, but I wouldn't have a reaction. So why is that man having that reaction? But men are much more visually stimulated than women are, for example. And maybe it's just worth bearing in mind before you go out. You know, you might tell your teenage teenage daughter before she goes out, look, bear in mind that men do get quite... Um, I don't know what the word is, provoked. Aroused. Yeah. Aroused. Aroused <laughs> when, when you Excited. dress like that. Bear, bear that in mind. But that would be, you know, I would be, that would be in feminist terms, that would be called. Um, yeah, what is that? Bla uh, victim blaming. 
victim blaming but it's not victim blaming it's just understanding that we're different and and respecting it well at the same time there's a slight there can be i'm not saying in every case there is but there's a slight disingenuousness about that because that's ignoring the power that a woman has over the man or saying or just pretending that the 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 woman has no power over a man that that the man's reaction to the woman's beauty is is all his fault and has nothing to do with how the woman presents herself which is exactly it's just not true exactly it's not true that's exactly what i'm saying i think we're on the same page that's what i'm saying as women this is a real power i mean i think as a young woman i was very aware of this power Mm. and Mm -hmm. you know there's a there's a denial about it we we have this you know and we do have a we do have this kind of power and and why not just acknowledge it you know and I don't know. I, I think, so, yes, it'd be great. Renegotiate the relationships, but let's just get rid of all this stuff about men being our oppressors and patriarchy and ugh. yeah. Well, when, when, you, when you used the word renegotiate earlier, renegotiating these, uh, these relationships mm. on a societal level, on a narrative mm. level, on, on just how mm. we think about uh, the roles, um, it might be the case that in a certain respect, uh, the... The woman, the suffering woman or the woman that's oppressed by patriarchy, the systemic patriarchy, is the big ask. It's not necessarily what they want, right? In, in negotiation terms, you're supposed to ask for much more than you actually want in order to get what you want. Yeah, but that might yeah, be a tact yeah. that, that was beneficial at, at a certain I, point, I have, but needs to it, go away. Yeah, but Benjamin... I. I have thought of that, actually, because, you know, one of my arguments is, well, we could have got the things we needed just through liberal democracy, just by, you know, through normal democratic processes. And and I do appreciate that sometimes when you want to bring about change, you need to go a bit bigger, you know, that, you know, you need to push, like you say, a big ask, you need to push a bit, a bit further than, or you than you necessarily need to in some sense, if, if you know what I mean, that you have mm. to put on this show. But I just think that you, there is an element of that. But I just think in the case of feminism, it's way, way, it's gone way, way over and above and beyond. And, you know, I think what's happened is just, it, you know, I mean, women just genuinely, repeatedly believe that men are oppressing them. And, and this is, it's just sure... Perhaps there'd have been room for saying, you know, there might have been room for some kind of smaller social movement. But somehow it's there are a number of I'd say there are a number of kind of foundational myths. You know, there's a there's been a a real denial of the fact that men and women are different. And the whole transgender thing is has bought in and is exploiting that. That was created by feminism. Denial that that men and women are different. There's this whole idea that men have been oppressing us since the beginning of time and women have bought into that massively. And I just think if something is a lie, it's not good. You know, this is really a big problem, you know, and you can, it is extraordinary just to hear women talk. If it was any any other group, you know, if you just put any other group in the place of the word man, you know, you'd say it was anti-Semitic or it was racist or it was disabled. But because it's men, we can say what we like. You know, it's like we've completely forgotten men are completely equal human beings to ourselves. You know, we 
the Hmm. That we've lost a sense of that. Why we there are like these group that we just talk about as if they were lower than us. I mean, if you just do that, if you try and substitute, there is it's 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 a really it's like it's a lie. There's this ideology that masses of people genuinely believe, and young people growing up, and you know, that men, uh, about patriarchy and men, and just think of the harm that that does to relationships between men and women. And also, I actually think, another thing that I think is really interesting is the the differences, you know, like real masculinity, uh, the sense of what men are, you know, we're always pushing men to be like ourselves. And I feel Hmm. that we're actually losing masculinity from society. I think for us women, it's, you know, I, I would like to sometimes take men as a role model for, a, you know, there are certain male characteristics, which I think are a tremendous benefit to myself as a woman, but m- men are not even allowed to manifest those characteristics mm. because Such it would be what? perceived as toxic. Um well, I think um, I think that men are. Well, I, there, there, there's the competitive thing, but there's also, for example, I think men are really good at. Um, they can kind of go head to head, and argue and fall out and just be friends to get you know all that arguing stuff, and then they can just be friends again afterwards. You know, like that argument doesn't mean that they become enemies, and I think that is a is a really sort of valuable assets of men um what other characteristics might there be of masculinity taking behavior yeah there's there's risk risk taking behavior um to a certain degree maybe to to a certain degree i think you know and i just think generally um i just feel like men don't pussyfoot around each other so much i kind of get this feeling i mean it's it is difficult for me because I've been out of the workplace and when I was working, I tended to work in, you know, sort of in academia, which is quite isolating. But, um, you know, so you're not interacting so much. But um, I just feel like you don't have to be so sensitive around men and you can just say stuff I'm not sure. I just feel like they're different, okay. and I want to. I want to find out. <laughs> I want to find out what it is, and I want to learn from it. And I think we all should, instead of all the time we're trying to say, we've got this female model in our head, and anything we want to make men like us, and anything which isn't like us is to- mm. toxic. You know. So I don't know what those ways are, but I'd like to. I'd like to learn them, I guess, out of interest, you know. Can I, can I, may I push back against you in good faith about yes. a couple of statements that you said in the thing? Uh, one thing that you said, and it was, it, I, I don't know uh, what the total context is, but you said that there was something, I'm, I'm misquoting you, but there's something horrific about men dressing like women. Is that really offensive to you that the not men... at all it's, okay. do you know what not at all i've got no problem about men dressing as women it was like a shorthand for um yeah. I, I you know do you know what i i'd been I, I didn't have a slot to talk they very kindly gave me a slot to speak and i really all i wanted to say you know what is horrific that was like i i really don't mind men dressing as women and i'm sorry i said that and i don't mind women dressing as men you know absolutely no issue with that at all i think what is a real what i do regard as just like for me it, it's the whole what's happening to 
you know, uh, the sex change thing, you know, the, the, and especially young people, you know, people having mastectomies, young people taking hormones, um, you know, either, um, you know, the, the, what's it called? Tran, the, the, they take different stages of hormone treatment. They, yeah. The, for me, that's, I'm, I'm afraid it's mutilation. It's mutilating your body. And also there is a real issue of, um, you know, I, I do think, you know, we need women only spaces and men only spaces. I do find the confusing, you know, suddenly saying, you know, if a man can say he's a woman and a woman can say, no, I'm sorry, if you're if you're born with a penis, you're a man. If you're born with a vagina, you're a woman. And you can be a man and you can, if you want to dress up or you want to be totally feminine, please go ahead. But don't make me pretend that you're a woman because I just see you as a, I, that's for me lying. So I'm sorry I said okay. that. And I have had, you know, I, I don't mind men dressing up as women. Okay. Okay. Good. Um, I mean, not, not good on you. I don't mean yeah. that derogatorily. No, I wanted that. to give you an opportunity yeah. to, to clarify that yeah. because um, yeah. I, I've been in, in this series, I've been speaking with a lot of people who are transgender, who are detransitioned and, and uh, who are women, who are men, who are feminists, who are, uh, I haven't had too many masculine, um, men's rights advocates on. Mm-hmm. I guess you're one of the premier ones yeah. uh, and, and Logan McCree. Um, so there, there's a lot of different nuance in that conversation that gets collapsed when you know you're on your soapbox and you have to say yeah. your thing and you have a yeah. few sentences to say yeah. i just wanted to give you an yeah. opportunity to expand thank, a little bit thank, on that thank you for giving me that opportunity because because i really I, i'd be upset to feel that i have a problem with that because i don't so you you said you're working on a bigger project is there a book in the works are you uh are you mapping out like, uh, a, like um, some sort of a systematic thought well, it's, it's, I'm kind of, I'm actually starting to, I'm, I'm kind of treading into a new area. I'm supposed to be mm. working on, um, I'm kind of getting but on the LGBT stuff. Um, and, and I actually want to, but I'm finding it really difficult. So for the past few years, I've been writing about men's issues and feminism. And now because of the sex education, um, you know, I, I'm, 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 I want to push back against that, and I've kind of want to write a short book about it, and but I am very, very behind doing so. And actually, I wanted to look at the. Interestingly, I kind of wanted to look at the LGB, the lesbian, the lesbian, gay, bi side of things a little bit more because, but I find that a really I find that really difficult because um, I'm, I've always, I'm, I'm, I'm quite, you know, I've got gay friends. I go to a church where, anyway, it doesn't, you know, I'm, it, I, it's really, doing the LGB topic is really difficult because um, I, I don't want people to think I'm homophobic and I don't want to be homophobic and I, I'm not homophobic, but if you look at, I've, I've done quite a lot of reading at the um, agenda. It's in its own academia. You know what lies behind the whole LGB movement, LGBT movement, and there's this massive desire to 
get rid of heteronormativity, smash heteronormativity was how Ellie Barnes put okay. it, smash yeah. heteronormativity. This is a whole, there's this whole discourse, you know, just as feminism wanted to smash the patriarchy, the yeah. LGBT movement wants to smash heteronormativity and they want to make it so that, you know, you choose to be gay, you know, today I've got a girlfriend and tomorrow I'll have a boyfriend. And, and I actually think that human sexuality is, I think it's got, well, I might be speaking as a woman because for women, I think, are much more fluid in their sexuality than men are. So that might be informing my concept. But I think that I think that actually if that, that there are elements, you know, that heterosexuality is to some extent socially and culturally created. You know, some of it is innate and some of it is socially and culturally created. And and if we abandon all those systems, mm. um we will really seriously um, erode heterosexuality and people, <clears throat> there will be, as Peter Tatchell quite explicitly wants, we will have um, a great deal more, you know, gay and lesbian relationships. And I can imagine, you know, in a, in a generation or two, it's like, you know, you could say, oh, I don't have any grandchildren because my... You know, and I'm kind of seeing things as, as, a, as a mother and as an older woman, you want you kind of want to see generations reproducing and it's not just for the future of our society it's because that gives so much structure to a person's life it gives you focus and i wouldn't want i wouldn't want young people who could choose to marry the opposite sex and and have a family i feel it would be a shame if the person who had the potential to do that actually chose to be to be gay and it's interesting because I you know I tweeted something and and somebody tweeted back and said well did you uh did you choose did you choose to be heterosexual and and I thought about it and you know and I remember as a teenager there I there was um an older woman there was an older woman who came on to me and actually I rejected it and I thought ooh that's really weird and my choice was to reject it and I'm really glad I did because you know I'm heterosexual and I've had my family and I think well had that situation happened today I I, I might not have rejected it because it would have just seemed so much more this is the cool thing to do let's be gay um (laughs) and and so Hmm. and and i think that there it's um, honestly people you know i just think we need to look ahead a little bit you know i i don't want to be i don't know just what i say make any sense it, it it i i can there's a lot of landmines Right yes, here. yes, I yeah. know. That's why I, I hate this topic. And to be honest, I don't, I'm really mm. surprised that I'm even talking about it because I find the topic quite terrifying. Hmm. You know, well, there's there's a lot of uh, capacity for blowback and for people uh, coming down pretty hard, even on me for even listening to it, you. Right. Because yeah. it, it's such a um, it, it's such a protected topic. There's a way mm-hmm. of approaching your ideas and presenting your ideas where you don't even have to be against any any individual or even mm-hmm. necessarily um, any class of person. You can focus on the ideas such as queer theory, um, which which plenty of uh, homosexual individuals are against uh, queer theory. Like mm-hmm. a Douglas Murray takes it to task, and in, in at least in his most re- recent book, he's a mm-hmm. conservative uh, British gay man. 
Um, yeah, no. So there's ways of going about, and and actually, in fact, if you reach out and start to speak with members of that community, you will find a lot of people with a lot of conservative views. Exactly, and to be perfectly honest, this is what I I really want to do, and that was how I got on to Logan McCree because I'm interested in doing this. And there's another guy, um, Alex Neora, who also has, um, you know, he's also got very very similar views, and um, and I've also, I mean, I I go, I, I actually I go to a I go to a church where there's I've, I've spoken to my priest about it because he's gay i mean I, I know a lot of gay people and mm. so um so this is something that i re i really want to do and i and i think it's a really good point because i just i really don't want to i don't want to alienate gay people and i do it is the it's it is the ideology i have a problem with i don't i don't have a problem with um people and 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 what they want to do but i just i just it, it's in the context of what we're teaching our children here in the uk you know there is there is an agenda i've read it i've researched it there is a, a very specific agenda which lies behind everything and when you present it it looks cool but you know when you see what they're actually when you know what they're trying to do it's not so cool. And I think you're right. I think there are lots of gay people. And I actually, funnily enough, you say that because that was exactly what I, I stood up and said at a talk recently. I said the people we really need to be talking to are the gay people because a lot of them will be on our side. And, you know, they'll they'll be talking from a much more informed perspective. And And so, you know... There's also like there's that drag queen um, Kitty Demure. I don't know if you know her, okay. Kitty Demure. She so she speaks out against drag queens in, you know, drag queen story time, mm -hmm. and you know, and it's it, in a way it's a bit like, I mean, you're right. There are a lot of landmines, and that's why I I feel you know it's funny because with feminism it's easy. I'm a woman and I can say what I like yeah. because I'm a woman, you know. And but when it gets to the whole LGBT, it's like I'm not gay, so it's like what right have I got to to say anything, you know? So in a way, that's why I've really been. I'm supposed to be. I have actually told someone that I'm going to be writing something, but it, 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 I've really been struggling with it, mm. you know, um, because you don't want, you, you know, you don't. I I, I don't want to. I, I, homophobia is a terrible thing the interesting thing which the interesting thing is that actually i think that the really big push which is happening in society at the moment is actually having um a negative feedback you know i think that there is a risk of actually um possibly increasing homophobia because it's just so full-on at the moment in the same way that um feminism has kind of you know actually stirred up more problems you know it's, it's stirred up hostility from men um so it, i, I it, don't know it continually goes back for me to uh 
how how much the activists are screwing up everything they're trying to fight for. Just yeah. like I just see that over and over again. Like, yeah. like there's an attitude that that infects different political activist communities that actually goes overboard and actually poisons the well a bit. And and yeah. I've been trying uh, to to practice what my what I preach by reaching out with individuals across a variety. I, I can do a lot better than I'm doing, but across a, the variety of, of political spectrums within different categories of, of classes and, and making inroads with that and, and hearing the people mm-hmm. who aren't uh, poisoning the well, who are actually doing good work and, and understand that there's a proportion in how far to, to, to interact with people and how to bring people on your side rather than demonize them and use all these words like sexist, racist, uh, yeah. this, I- that. I think there's, is it the LGB Alliance? You know, like there's the group that's broken away from Stonewall. I mean, I think they would be a really promising group to go and speak to and talk to and say, look, you know, how do you feel about this? I think it would be great to actually hook up with with people like that, you know, and and voice voice anxieties and and see where they are you know because i think that i mean there it's it's people like that that are great stonewall you know they did good work in the past but now they've just um mm-hmm. they've just gone into overdrive and i think they're doing masses of damage so i it seems like your your concern is for your concern is very um one very heartfelt but also very important and i i think that if given the opportunity for you to refine that and, and lay, it, lay it out there, what you're actually working towards um, would, would eclipse the, the reaction that you get from people seeing you just being against something. Like like that mm. little clip um, stirred up a lot of, I think, tw- uh, could be uh, inching the conversation towards a better place just by allowing people to criticize feminism in order for feminism to reform, reform itself yeah. um, without necessarily losing its core um its core principles and what it what it wants to achieve but also just looking honestly at what what has it achieved what is it achieving do does it want everything that that it's it's affecting in the world um and and somebody with you with with conservative views with socially conservative views there's an expectation um or it's it's really tricky for conservatives to not be seen and silenced as reactionary uh, and and the the way that I see to to kind of thread through that needle is to present solidly the positive what you're working for, which would be family and um, and and you know the procession of generations and and the, you know like the balance of the yeah. sexes and the, the healthy relationship between men and women and that, that's that is exactly you've put it so much better than but that is exactly what I feel it's like it's like well, I like heterosexuality I want to, <laughs> or something like that you know I want to stand up and defend this thing which has made my life good you know um, mm. but 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 I don't want to I don't want to knock yeah you You've put it much better. I'm going to shut my mouth and not dig myself no, into a hole, you know, because you've you've put it so much better than than I than I have. Um, because that I I feel like that. It's, I want to be standing up for something positive. I don't want to be knocking people knocking people back. And and also, I think it it is very easy as someone who's straight to really lose sight of what gay people have had to put up with and 
real pain that they've that they you know real pain that they've had and i think there is a real risk of of losing losing the ground that that they have gained and anyway you put it much better well, 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 i i don't i, I want to deflect the praise by just yeah, saying yeah. that like i one of the reasons why i wanted to have you on i wanted to give you a chance to actually expound on your ideas because i could feel i could feel real strong love for 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 something like for for men and and for for women and the relationship between men and women and that tiny little speech that you gave which was mm-hmm. less than 2 minutes long it was very very short i could feel that i wanted to give that more air thank you um, thank you, so thank you. yeah well i think that's i mean that's probably my um my strongest motivating um factor in my sort of battle against feminism really is the potential for love between men and women and and what we've been missing out on all those years and it's also i think a it's a really exciting challenge we're like we are actually like and i'm not saying they're not men who are like women and women who sure they are but on averages we are actually two very different types of being and building a relationship is really exciting because you as a woman you grow when you build a relationship with a man you discover masculine aspects about yourself and i'll give you a i'll give you a practical example of this okay so if you look at um if you look at psychology psychology's been really influenced by what women like to do talking therapy you know women like to talk and talk and that they talk out their problems and that but that's become the main form of therapy for men and women but if you if you look at the male form of therapy men um they really benefit from taking action if a, if a man has undergone some kind of tragedy like i think um you know they they write a piece of music or whatever thing it is that they're good at or build a shed do doing something practical is what helps a man to heal men have a different healing process but if you look at that male healing process and you say this is how men heal and you present it to women well there are an awful lot of women who would really learn and benefit from that male way of doing things so i see masculinity as a resource which is there not just for men but for women as well and at the moment we're like shutting it down it's toxic push it away hide it hide it get rid of it and and you know and and so that's you know that's what we need to to develop and allow and it it's like i mean i do just sort of really gen, you know that that sort of love between men and women it, that's that's what we should be working on and 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 building you know it's 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 um so i think that that's kind of the thing that's upset me most when i look at feminism is you know and i and i think about these young people growing up and and i also just think you know for me myself i mean i've been imperfect in my of course i have you know i mean i've misunderstood men and it's just you know sometimes just understanding that they how peculiar they are it's kind of helpful they're not they're not flawed females they're just odd human beings <laughs> I, I can't uh, disagree with that of uh, being a, a particularly odd uh, specimen of, of the male mm. uh, you know, human experiment. Mm. 
<laughs> well, thank you so much, Belinda, for this chance, this opportunity to to hear your thoughts and and to have you on. And uh, there's a lot of people that are going to agree with you in my on my channel. A lot of people that are going to disagree with you on on Twitter and also on my channel. And uh, but I hope that that this does a little bit more to to forward the conversation on this topic. Yeah, I kind of I I try not to read Twitter too much. I try not to read comments so that I don't get. <laughs> You know, but uh, you know, thank you, thank you very much for giving me a chance to develop and think about my views. It's really lovely having somebody asking me what I think, and it helps me to work out what it is I think. And it's so I do appreciate that. Congratulations for reaching the end of the podcast. If you enjoyed this product, consider donating to this channel via paypal.me slash Benjamin Boyce or joining me on Patreon. Also follow me on Twitter at Benjamin A. Boyce. Have a good night. <laughs>